Welcome to the Something Something Experience Podcast, Episode 24. I'm Michael John Simpson. This past weekend, I attended the world's largest and longest-running fan-run Doctor Who convention, Gallifrey One. What an amazing weekend, being surrounded by wonderful friends, spectacular guests, and outstanding cosplay. During my weekend, I managed to record several podcasts, and this is the first. My guest is Stephen Shapansky, co-founder of the world's most popular Doctor Who podcast, Radio Free Scarrow. We sat down in the middle of Lobby Con at Galley Friday night and talked about Gallifrey One and other Doctor Who conventions, podcasting, the evolution of fandom, and of course, our favorite show in the universe, Doctor Who. Allons-y! Here's episode 24 of the Something Something Experience. What I'm looking for. Do you want one? There's a lineup here and now it's finally moving in. So I think was is this the uh, reception? That's what it is. Oh yeah, yeah. Did you pay for that? Are you going? Oh hell no, no, oh, okay. I didn't know. Okay. It just like, like I was thinking, why is everyone lined up? Why is the lobby so packed? Yeah, because people just standing still, <laughs> and that's why. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Cool. Yeah. Hey, how's, how's your galley going so far? It's go. Are we doing this? Is oh this yeah, recording? we started already. Oh yeah, awesome. Yeah. It's it's going great. This is my seventh so far. I've done. And I did two many, many, many years ago, like when it was still at the Airtel in Van Nuys. So oh, was, wow! Yeah, so and you're you're like working it now. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Oh, wait, I'm you're on like the staff. Room? Really? I I, um, I monitor room D. I'm basically the guy who says five minutes and tells everybody turn off your cell phones and right. take that hat off or sit in the back or uh-huh. you know, you're crying baby, get out, you know, that kind of thing. So you that know, sort of thing. Basically, yeah. room watcher. But you know, it's fun and I get to meet a lot of people and yeah. you know, I get to be nice to people. That's the thing I like about it is you know, so many people go to so many cons like big huge cons like uh, Comic Con things like that and they're yeah. always being told no, no or oh it's tough to, or it's you know stuffy or crowded and we get to be nice to people and, and there's not as many people here and we get to kind of just it, it have, help people enjoy their experience. I know there's a, there's a communal feeling about Gallifrey. Yeah. Like I've never been to Comic Con but I, I like every time I hear like it's just like it's not a con- it's not a convention. It's a trade show. Yeah, yeah. That thing yeah. is just a trade show. Right. That's it's, open to the public. Yeah. It's just been co-opted by basically people wanting to promote their new movies. Right. Right. And this is just you know there's a weird set there's a weird cross pollination of like it's a fan run convention but the fact that so many actual Doctor Who people oh, not sure. just the past but like ones oh, who are like sure. actually yeah, making yeah, the show yeah. now yeah. and Stephen Moffat used to like send messages to the opening ceremonies you know in his early days of show writing oh, like sure. there's a certain like yes it's fan run yes it's small by like Comic Con standards but like the people who are making Doctor Who right. were fully aware of of this convention oh, yeah, and yeah, like yeah. dearly wanted to be here. I right, think you right, know right, at that right. time, and that's what makes it so great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like I like I like Galley a lot because it, yeah, it's fan run. It's not for profit. It's very much like this is a labor of love. I mean, the amount of work that the the, the senior team and everybody who works here puts in and gets what most people would probably consider be very little return other than we put this thing on for people that they enjoy. Yeah. You know, it really is a labor of love and that's what I like about it. You can, there's heart in this convention. There is and we, um, like we've been coming here for seven years at Radio Free Spot. Right. We've been doing the live show to kick it off at cool. the main stage every year for four now. We, and we like, a, we're happy because yeah. it's a pretty sweet gig. Yeah, yeah. But we, we got here just purely because 
we loved talking about this convention. Sure. And we just kept talking about it because we, we came here one year and says this is the best thing we've ever, ever seen. seen. Yeah, yeah. And so we've just been like, oh, I'll tell you what, why don't you talk, <laughs> since you've talked about it so have much. Have you been to some of like, the, the British uh, Doctor Who conventions? I have been to one. Or I've Chicago only Tardis? Been to Chicago or... Tardis. That's the okay, only other okay, one I've okay. been to. Did you ever hit up any of the DWFCA stuff in Denver at all? Or? No, oh, never okay. did. No. Nope. Okay. Chicago and, and Gal, like I come from Canada. Okay. It's, all right. Um, which is a, you know, when you go to a doctor, you have to commit because you're flying from a distance. Sure, you know? sure. So Galley is like, it's it's just part of the budget now. All right, There's yeah, yeah. Never a consideration right. that maybe we won't go or maybe we will. No, it's right. always just gonna be a thing. Nice. And because of Galley, like I, you know, Chicago Tardis is is, is smaller. Yes. But, yes, there's, like, you know, the atmosphere that's similar to Galley, but it's smaller. Right. And I think what it, what it sort of serves for me, it's in November, it kind of, like, it helps me get over the, the me missing Galley. So, like, oh, you know. Oh, that's good. It's like, a nice bridge. It is. So, like, it's only, like, when you go to Chicago, it's, like, two or three months until Galley. And so it doesn't feel like a big thing. And right. I don't it's get overwhelmed by it. There's yeah. not this dearth of Galley to, to the way through. Yeah. You have... You have a little little island hop along the way to yeah. kind of get. No, I would imagine the Chicago Tardis now. I know I know uh, several people on the senior team go every year right. or most years, and uh, and they like it. And I think they're kind of all friends and stuff. A lot of people in the convention, you know, running they are biz kind of all know each the other. Venn diagram, yeah, yeah, they yes, cross pretty close. Kind of, yeah, yeah. And I know, I know, uh, I know they've been to a lot of the. Uh, and, and I would imagine it's probably kind of like what. Galley used to be before they got moved to the Marriott. Back right. when it was in Van Nuys, and and it was even smaller. I mean, we were happy one year when we got like 850 people, uh-huh. and now people are always going and asking the you know the the, the showrunners here. Are you ever going to expand? Are you ever going to go to a bigger hotel? Nope, nope. We always want that 3,700 people plus yeah. guests and staff, and leave it at that because yeah. we don't want to become Comic Con. We don't want it to get turned into this big overblown thing. No, and you could, you know, you can almost tell like some of the repeat guests, you know, sure that come over here every year, like just want to because be part of it because they this. love it. Yes, it's it's not like a trade fair. Or no, like no, that. no. It's, it's a personal experience. You know, the great we're doing this in the lobby. You could probably sure, hear it. yeah, yeah. We're and in the y- middle of LobbyCon yeah. uh, Friday night. And you would see, like, not now, because it's kind of empty, because everyone went into the reception, but... Oh, yeah, I mean, Ian McNeese would hang out here, yeah. or, you know, yeah, yeah. You'll see, Phil, you'll see writers of the show writers, and actors yeah. just hanging out with fans, sure. just drinking beer sure. and everything like sure. that. There's a, there's a communal aspect to the yeah. whole thing. Yeah, and, and that's what the chair. thing I hear from guests all the time whenever I get to talk to them, right? because I'm always in front of that door, um, is... is this is the convention. They go to conventions all year long. This is the one they actually get to enjoy. I've actually heard somebody say really? that. Really? A couple of comic book artists and a couple other writers have said that. They're like, yeah, I go to conventions all year. I go to signing conventions and this and that. This is the one I get to go relax and have a good time and meet people and really have conversations. And I'm not just signing autographs for 10,000 people. Right. I'm actually I'm signing autographs for you know 500 people and actually get to talk to them and talk to people and mix and have a few drinks and just yeah. kind of unwind and, and, and talk about this thing we all love this crazy thing that's been going on for 50 years that we all love that we watched when we were kids and mm. now it's still a thing and yeah and you build that personal relationship I think yeah. with, with you know people who will 
will become interested in what you're actually putting forward yes, yes. as a creator right. that you wouldn't be able to do necessarily no, no. at a convention. Yeah. It's a weird little hybrid of it. That's it really is. Works out. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, there's definitely something magical. And not just because I work here and I'm friends with people who run it. It's, yeah. it's, it really is something magical about it. I mean, that's what kept me coming back in the first place, you know. So I actually met a lot of the people from Galley through a local Doctor Who club uh-huh. here in L.A. called the Time Meddlers, and I don't even know if that's still a thing anymore. I've heard the name. I don't right. know if it's still right. a thing. It's an old, yeah. It was an old Doctor Who club. We'd get together and watch Doctor Who and blah, right. blah, And they're like, well, are you going to Galley? Well, what's Galley? Oh, well, it's the big Doctor Who convention. I'm like, well, okay. And so I went, and I went that first year, and the first year, not the first year of the convention, but my first year, and and it just had a great time, and it was like you said, it's just like being part of a family. And some of the people who are here, I only get to see here, and it's like being home. It's like family, and, right? And there because there's this crazy, wacky, nerdy, you know, thing of, of that you only get from those people. Yeah. I, find, I mean, how do you find it? With I mean, you're a podcaster. Sure, sure. Do you meet up with other podcasters here as well? As I, much, this is or? my first year as a podcaster at Galley. Oh, really? I just started, uh, uh, something Something Experience just started in uh, uh, October, September, okay. October. Right, right. So we got 23 episodes. This will be number 25 or 26. Uh-huh. And um, yeah, this is my first time as a podcaster here. And one of my goals, my goal for this, this year was to have a podcast with another podcaster <laughs> so we can do some cross-pollination and, yep. you know, you, you plug mine, I plug yours, and we kind of expand the audience that way. I mean, you already have a pretty large audience. I mean, you're one I, from everything I've heard, you're one of the bigger, well, more well-known throughout the world Doctor Who podcasts that there is. So We we have been around. I've actually coined a term for this. It's called podcast. Okay. When, when podcasters meet up from other podcasters. Nice. It's a thing that often happens. Podcast. I love Podcest. it. Podcast. And I'm, I'm looking to get more podcasters on and to do that podcast thing. Yeah. It is well the great thing about podcasting is like well I'm friends with so many other ones that it's like it's almost like a turn-based conversation that everyone knows what they all sound like and have, you know because they listen to each other's podcast. Sure, sure. And so you hear what this person sounds like and his little you know you just get to know someone just by the right, way they course, speak. Of course. You know it's not like just reading them on Twitter or anything like that. Sometimes it's that that audio connection and so right. When you meet up with another podcaster at a convention like Galley, there's it's just like you've almost like shed a couple of layers of uh, you know uneasiness or something. Sure. You sort of like really there's know a each familiarity. other. There's a very much a familiarity, well, especially since most podcasts aren't really heavily formatted. They're not really segmented even. I mean, yeah. some of them do, some of them don't. A lot of them are just freeform conversations. That's what ours is. Yeah. And as you said, I mean, are we going? Yeah, we just start. And and I like that. I like. It's a really a good beyond just the interview thing of yeah. interviewing somebody for 15 minutes or whatever like that. You get into a conversation, you actually start getting in depth, and you have a few laughs, and you're having a real conversation. And the the, the topics go anywhere, and that's why we call our I call ours a, a podcast about everything because uh-huh. even though it's centered on media culture, the conversation goes anywhere and everywhere. I mean, we've touched on things like feminism and podcasts, and and uh, you know feminine characters in, in, in genre and you know stuff like that so it's, and it can go, and it can go anywhere we, you know it's the, the thing that other podcasters that I listen to have said that just by virtue of the fact that you're starting your own thing that's what makes it unique it's, that's your voice yeah. coming through and it's nice to you know get people on and yeah, I know I mean we were, I was talking earlier with with some others and you know they were talking about podcasts that they listen to and how much they just enjoy the characters, so to speak, of the people on them, like the actual hosts of the show. I think sometimes 
we on Radio from Scar, we almost get like we're Canadians, so maybe we're just self-conscious by nature. And we just think nobody wants to listen to us <laughs> for an hour or something like that. So we'll put like we'll think that we have to put interviews on or or special features or something else that like, you know, might distinguish ourselves and sort of okay, now it's an episode you can listen to. And all the comments are always like, Oh yeah, it was a great interview. Oh I wonder what but when the new series is on, we're talking about new episodes of Doctor Who. Oh yeah, yeah. Like our audience relationship like doubles. Just because people just want to hear what the three regular hosts that they listen to every single what week... What they have to say. What they have to say. And, you know, I still haven't gotten used to that. Yeah. Uh, we've been doing this almost nine years. Oh, wow. That's, yeah. that's great. You guys were early adopters. <laughs> we, were, wow. we were early adopters even before we knew what pod- Doctor Who podcasting was. Um, and maybe just people have just sort of built up that relationship over time just by listening to us every single week. Great. It's... um. It's opened my eyes a lot to what I mean. I, I'm still going to try to, you know, I'm doing interviews all this weekend, oh, getting, sure, you sure. know, because they're they're people who make my favorite show. I'm going to get right. interviews with them yeah, because yeah, they're here. Yeah, yeah. Um, but oftentimes we we have to remember that sometimes people just like to listen to familiar voices talk about things that they like. That's why I listen to podcasts. And yeah, I, you know, and and why some work and some don't because it's all a matter of how that that for those personalities kind of click with yours and you, and also when you're listening there's a unique thing about you watch an interview on TV or listen to an interview on a morning radio show or whatever and you don't get that thing where you feel like you're in the room you're just listening to an interview yeah. with a podcast you feel like you're in the room you find yourself talking back out loud to the, what the people are saying or when somebody says well what was the name of that one thing and you're like it's blah you know and you, you, you find yourself interacting with people who can't hear you because yeah. you feel like you're in the room it's more natural yes Yes. And and I think the, the the interviews that I've done at Galley over the years have had that natural feel to them because yeah. you know be it in a place like that like sometimes we've actually done interviews in the lobby and it just feels like you're just part of everything yeah yeah, yeah. and it just seems to be like it's just a regular conversation right, that right. you are having in the lobby with sure. someone who just happens to make exact doctor who you just happen to be recording it yeah and those are yeah. my favorite kind it's it's very fly on the wall and that's what I like about it, it yeah because everybody's at ease and natural you start to forget that the microphone's even there and you're just talking you're just having a conversation uh-huh. what yeah. made what made you want to start doing a podcast then well uh, I've told this story a few times on the podcast but I'll tell it again. Um, <laughs> My original co-caster, Ash, who, who's taking a break for a while. He's got right. some other projects he's working on. Um, he and I worked together. And, okay. uh, and we, were, we, we found, uh, after the first few months of working together, that we, we were just having these amazing, wonderful, lengthy, incredibly nerdy conversations about all manner of things. I mean, he's really into movies. He's really into anime. I'm really into Doctor Who. I'm really into... We're both really into music. We have a lot of similar musical tastes. And uh, so we just started having these crazy conversations where we would just feel like having a stretch. I'd go up, you know, grab him from his desk, and we'd go just stand out in the hallway and, and watch people walk by and talk about whatever. <laughs> right. So we're having one of our wonderful conversations, and, and that day we were talking about the, the golden age of American cinema in the late 60s, early 70s, and how at that time American directors were adopting the French concept of cinema verite into... Uh, you know, because in the '60s it went from people talking like this in movies. Hey, what are you doing? I'm yeah. like, hey, hey, Bob, how's, how's that cough doing? It going into being more guttural, more street, more, more, uh, uh, you know, real life, well, real. everyday, it's exactly, exactly say, yeah. cinema verite. So, um, and we were talking about that, and I happened to use the word verisimilitude in a sentence about that, and a guy stopped and he turned around and he's like, 
wait, are you guys talking about movies? I'm like, yeah. He's like, did you just say verisimilitude? And I said, yeah. He's like, I don't think I've ever heard that word said yeah. at work in my whole life ever. And this guy's in his 50s. It's like, wow. And he stopped. And we just started talking about movies. We went on for another 15 minutes. And he's like, well, i got to get back to work. I'll see you guys later. It's like, great. Good, good talking to you. And he took off. And I turned to my friend and I said, we should start a podcast. <laughs> because every podcaster I listen to, yeah. Nerdist, Greg Groups, uh, uh, Emily and Camille, uh, uh, Indoor Kids, um, etc., etc., all say the same thing. Do your thing. Be, yeah. be a, a little bit less of a consumer and a little bit more of a producer. Yes. If you're passionate about something, do a thing. Make a podcast. Do something. Write a blog. Uh, write a book. Do. Life is short. Do your thing. Uh-huh. And I'm like, this is the simplest thing in the world. I already have an own an iPad. I went and bought a $50 Snowball microphone. Click, click. And I bought an adapter for the iPad, $10 piece of software, and we've got a podcast. Started a blog, uh, got a SoundCloud account, blah, 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 et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Started a Twitter, started a Facebook page, and here we are, 23, 24, 25 episodes later, and there we are. It's remarkably simple. To, it's remarkably to simple. To make your own voice And in the all world. that wall, being behind that wall of fear, yeah. my whole life, uh-huh. of this and that, and... and this podcast, and, and it was just remarkably simple, and as everybody says, it really is that simple. How do you start being a stand-up comedian? You go to an open mic and you get up on stage and you start telling jokes. Yeah. It's that simple. Mm-hmm. You get over your fear and you do it. And since then, I've started doing stand-up. And I've started doing nice. things I've wanted to do my whole life. And I started a Voices.com account so I can do voiceovers. So I'm doing, this podcast is, is lighting a fire into me to be creative. And I'm doing things that I that make me happy. Uh huh. I think podcasts have just become that thing. I mean, you mentioned Nerdist. Yes. That sort of Chris Harbour just sort of started it on yeah. a whim. Yeah. Um, because he got move. turned down for a job, for yeah. an acting gig or a hosting gig or something, and he's like, eh, man, I guess we'll start a podcast. Yeah. Super Bowl Sunday, him, Matt, Jonah, and, and Tom Lennon went to Tom Lennon's house on Super Bowl Sunday. They don't want to watch the fucking Super Bowl yeah. anyway. And they sat down and they did the first episode of the podcast. And 600 episodes later, five years later, they're, you know, 628 or whatever it yeah. is now. And they're, they're off and running. And he's got a. A media empire now, and it is the podcast is the center of, of a media that media empire. empire. A, f- a free thing you can download. Yes, is the and center. It's still just him and his two best friends. Yeah, talking to other friends and other people, and Tom Hanks and and Jeff Bridges and yeah. et cetera, et cetera, just talking about stuff that they're passionate about. Yeah, and that's kind of how I pattern fashion my podcast of just talking to people about their thing that they do. I live in LA. I have a lot of friends in the business. Yep. I have a lot of friends who are graphic designers and artists and, and writers and, and produce little films and stuff like that. I have a friend, one of my friends uh, is a college professor who uses uh, monster comic books and novels to teach first, you know, freshman college writing. Right. And I had her on to talk about that. And we got into all kinds of monster stuff. Mary Shelley and, uh, you know, uh, universal uh, classic monsters from the 20s, 30s. And it's just, it's great. And we just sit down and shoot the shit for, for you know, an hour, hour and a half. And, right. And boom, it's a thing. Slap on an intro and slap on an outro and you're, you're off and running. I know. It's, uh, do you ever get like the, I mean, uh, that's the way we did ours for a while. It was just sort of like two guys talking over Skype for 30 or 45 minutes. Yeah. And then... You know, at times we just wanted to sort of branch out and do other little, you know, sort of make a little more produce things. But what, at what point do you feel like you want to sort of start doing more produce? Not like just like 
as slickness or anything like that, but like an edited thing, or or is that something that, that the only in your time mind? I ever edit really is when it, it, to me the, the the whole natural is the naturalism or the, yeah. you know of the conversation, the natural feel of the conversation. It just kind of comes to a conclusion. I mean, we started off our first one was forty five minutes because I wasn't watching the time right, and then every well, most of them after that were about an hour, and then we had one that was an hour and a half, and then they went back to an hour, and but then they just kind of naturally round out at about an hour and a half. Right. And you know, whatever time is at whatever time. I mean, we're not trying to purposely do an hour and a half podcast. It just seems to where the the, the conversation just kind of comes to a conclusion, uh-huh. and so to edit that out. I don't know. I like the little yeah. ums and uhs and oh, I yeah, can't no. remembers and the natural stuff. I don't mean necessarily like editing a conversation, but like putting together, you know, I mean, we've done like 460 episodes. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, and not all of them are the same. Not all of them can be the same because we get bored, you know, and so we'll we'll throw in, like we'll do commentary uh, episodes for some episodes. All right, yeah. We, we do a thing, um, a little rotating series of stuff where we'll just randomly draw... A name of someone who's worked on, like, we, we like the production side of things about Doctor Who. So we'll talk about, like, a producer or director or a writer, or, writer or, or something like that. And, like, you know, because everyone will talk about, oh, what, let's talk about Matt Smith. Oh, yeah, let's you know, go on, yeah. Everyone would do that. Bow ties no, and fences yeah, for all my men. But no one would talk about, let's analyze the directorial career of Graham Harper. Bam. You know, and so that became a thing. So we have, like, maybe four or five sort of things that kind of rotate in and out in the what we call the off-season when Doctor Who's on, on sure, the air. Sure, sure, sure. That sort of, it kind of keeps us interested and kind of keeps everything a little bit fresh that nothing, you know, so that's what I mean. Like, is there something like... You're not grinding on what everybody else is doing. Yeah, or, or what we're doing. We're not okay, repeating okay. what we're doing. Okay. I mean, do you ever feel the need to, you know, what, we already talked about this. I mean, not, I'm not saying that that's we're, the thing that naturally happens. I mean, I'm still pretty new at this. I yeah. mean, we're only... It had been doing this in you know a few months, and not even a year yet, yep. and we've only got about twenty three episodes or more, and and so I'm not feeling any kind of repetition. I'm not I'm not uh, I'm not uh, not ready to cleese it yet, as I say, because he has a John Cleese was very notorious for getting bored and wanting to do something yes. else. Yeah. So that's kind of a little, but I uh, so no, not quite yet. But I mean, I could see maybe putting some other things in. One thing we are doing is we're trying to, I've been working on very slowly because I work 9 to 5 etc cetera, etc cetera, but I've been working on starting a thing where from each episode I take a 2-3 minute chunk that winds up funny or interesting, particularly interesting right. and slapping that into a YouTube video with a graphic and oh, having really? that as part of our use so we have a clip that then at the end says for the full episode go oh, listen to That's and from idea. what I understand YouTube presence is a really good way to yeah. build a business especially with younger audiences they, they don't really like um, they don't do the podcasting much but they all are on, on YouTube all the time so yeah. and that's that's something I'm working on very slowly and actually my son is going to be doing the the editing and putting together of the clips oh really so but now it's up to me to go through each episode pick out a chunk and and save that as a smaller mp3 file so he can then use it and make a graphic make a, a little movie out of it um, another thing we're thinking about uh, that I've been wanting to do um, when when somebody we've had on has a particular thing um, 
that they want to feature go show up somewhere with a video camera and show that as a YouTube clip yep. as part of as an ancillary to that episode. For example, the Howard Hollis episode, a friend of mine, Howard Hollis, has one of the top two largest Doctor Strange collections on the planet. Wow. He has a very large collection of memorabilia, costumes, comic books, etc., etc., and he's in the process of, he just moved down to Orange County, and he's in the process of uh, making his apartment so he has a Doctor Strange room. Once he has that, I'm going to go take a tour of it, and with the video camera, five minute, ten minute, whatever, and right. whittle it down and put that up on the on the YouTube channel uh-huh. and maybe up on the blog as an ancillary to that podcast. Right. Do you ever, how much uh, Doctor Who do you actually delve into then? I mean, for such a widespread podcast. We, we do, we do. I yeah. mean, Doctor Who's pretty much mentioned in just about every episode. It's, a, it's I'm, a tying thread, I suppose, that sure, goes through all. Sure, yeah. sure, I wouldn't call us a, a Doctor Who podcast, but right. media culture, but big part of my media culture psyche, if you will, is Doctor Who. I've been yeah. watching since 1977. Oh, wow. So I'm from Colorado. Uh, we were the, one of the first three cities in the U.S. I think it was Dallas, Washington, D.C., and Denver were like three of the first cities to get Doctor Who uh-huh. on PBS right. Sunday mornings. And, uh, Sunday morning. everyone, everyone, it's never prime time. It's never, never, never prime never, time. Never. No. So, um, uh, we actually, actually, Denver, there are two public television stations, right. the big one and the more independent one, the one that does a lot of local programming and stuff like that. Right. After the big one was kind of done with Doctor Who for a while, this is during the hiatus period uh, in the uh, in the uh, late 80s, early 90s, yeah. um, the littler station was showing Doctor Who, and they deep dove, they, they went started with Hartnell and went all the way through. Oh, wow. Whatever they could get from Lionheart, distributor, they were able to do, and they got some Hartnell, they got Trotton. They got and uh, heard me, and then all the way through, and um, they were showing Doctor Who five nights a week, prime time. It was like seven thirty at night. They were showing a half yep. hour episode, a half one of the half hour parts of an episode every night. So you pretty much get a full episode a week, uh, you know, with all the four parts, and then it was cool. Yeah, I got. I mean, I got very similar. I think it was like KSPS Spokane. Okay, in the early eighties, early to mid eighties when I started, and it was always those weekly episodes I mean nightly episodes I should say and I remember those because it was um, I would always have to do my homework after supper and I would never see the beginning of the episodes I'd see the end so I wouldn't know for years what episode I had just watched right because you didn't know the name yeah one of the earliest memories I have is Tom Baker in my mind shooting down the president at the oh, end yeah, of whatever assassin. it was of yeah. course I found out years later that was a deadly assassin but I remember seeing that going, is this a show I really want to watch? This guy, our hero, is shooting a president. Because that's the way it was edited, you know. Of course, the cliffhanger comes up and you see a, an arm come out uh, in episode two. It completely absolves the doctor from any blame. Of course. But it was those little early memories that really, you know, drive me on to, you know, it's that early fascination with the show yeah. that never really went away. Yeah, I started, I mean, I, I just kind of discovered it on PBS, those flipping channels. Right. Cartoons are kind of over for the morning. Uh, we, we had cartoons on, we only had three channels back in the day, and uh, the, the, you know, Bugs Bunny, Roadrunner show, and blah, blah, and then as soon as they started showing sports, you started flipping around if you didn't want to go outside and play. Right. I found Doctor Who, because it was on at 10, uh-huh. 10 a.m. And they would show, the big station was playing full whether it was a four or a six parter of Tom Baker on repeat. Yep. Until 1979, when we actually kind of 
got about six months caught up, about six months behind written, right? And started getting new episodes, uh, one about one per month or so, in with the rotation of all the repeats, right? And basically by 1980, once final season, uh, we got to see uh, Keeper Trocken and Legopolis, and then Castor Valva uh, 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 all the way, you know. Within about a month of having aired in Britain. Oh, wow. And we were also members of, a friend of mine and I at school were members of the DWFCA, the Doctor Who Fan Club of America, and, um, which was headquartered in Denver. Uh-huh. And we were had the newspaper being delivered to it, the, the, the newsletter newspaper being delivered to us. So we heard about a lot of this stuff before we, you know, that's no internet or anything, obviously, no. this is in the 80s, so. But, uh, yeah, so we were learning about Doctor Who that way. And I had gone and bought a bunch of those kind of uh, coffee table sized books by Peter Haining those uh, Doctor Who the early years oh, and I read about glorious years yeah. sure sure ten, yeah exactly I read about early Doctor Who never saw it I didn't right. see even a Pertwee episode until the mid 80s when I was going to visit my dad in Chicago and they were right. playing Pertwee out there there was actually a Doctor Who convention in Chicago one year when I was there visiting my dad and it was Pertwee and Sladen I got to meet them and get autographs these are back in the big days like when they were like 30,000 people yes. coming to these things which is yes. astounding you know because you think I mean I think Doctor Who is much bigger now of course than it was then more widespread but I, I'm just fascinated to hear tales of like 30 and like John Nathan Turner would like bring over everyone 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 you'd see like everyone. it's it's not uncommon to see like four doctors on a panel you know Trout and Bertie I didn't Baker, ever Davison. get that the most I ever saw yeah. in one any one place was two actually Galley last year there were three here because Paul McGann uh, Colin Baker and uh, 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 Sylvester McCoy were all here. Was it last year or the year before? I think it might have been the year before. The year before. I think it was. Three yeah. doctors is the most I've ever seen in one place. Usually it was one or two. Right. I know. I was, yeah, I, in, yeah, I think Chicago tried to set a gettable. In Denver, we had, um, we had Peter Davison and... Um, Colin Baker? No. no. Maybe it was when I was younger. Yeah, it wasn't until Galley, I think, that I saw two doctors. It was... Davison and Colin Baker back in 2001 or something right. like that at Galley. Um, but I saw Davison in in Denver in 85 and Pertwee and Sladen together in Chicago in 83. Uh-huh. And that was pretty cool. And they're all, I have my hardcover TARDIS technical manual with their autographs inside. Oh, sweet. Yeah. Galley was my first. Oh, wow. Cool. 2009, my first ever wow, Doctor Who cool. convention. Cool. So, I mean, it was... Doctor Who was always kind of like a solitary obsession of mine because I was the only person who I knew that really liked the show. I eventually, in sixth grade, about 12 years old, finally got a couple kids at work at school to watch it and to play Doctor Who with me out on the play. We had right. this kind of wooden metal fork thing and with slides on it, and that was my TARDIS. Right. And one kid wanted to be K-9, and somebody else wanted to be a Cyberman or Dalek or whoever we were fighting that week, and we just kind of played Doctor Who out on the playground. Uh-huh. Yeah. Very cool. I never had that. I never yeah, had that. Yeah. It was always like Star Wars or something with me. Yeah, we played Star Wars uh, figures too. So, but and so yeah, it's weird to, to actually be among, you know, now now not so much now because you can you know I walk down the street and you see kids wearing Doctor Who sure. T-shirts. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's just becoming a thing now. But yeah. I think in 2009 it wasn't quite there yet. No, you're right. You know, 13, I think it was 1,300 people came to the one in, in 2009. Sure, sure, and I think sure. it almost doubled in, in, yeah. in the next Yeah, and that was already four years into the new series. That was, was three years into Tenet. I know, but you think about that. And, like, 2009, when Galley was in, like, February of that year, in June, 
of 2009, BBC America picked up Planet of the Dead. That was the first episode that they aired. And it was like two months after it aired in the UK. But they made it, like, they tried to make a big thing of it. And I think back to that, you know, and everyone, like, there's a whole legion of people that still just love David Tennant. And he was never, ever the Doctor for, like, you know, a whole generation of, of Doctor Who fans. You know, yes, they watched it on Sci-Fi, but I don't think Sci-Fi ever really cared much about the show. They no. would air it, like, months after the fact. Sure, sure, sure. Uh, Day and Date was just a dream. And then I think BBC America, and I think later Netflix, just, you know... So, like, if you're watching a current series on iTunes or something like that, you can instantly just go back and watch all the new series on Netflix. And I think that is why Galley has just... Oh, yeah. It's rapidly been, it's been because of Netflix. And, yeah. and Netflix was going to pull Doctor Who and Red Dwarf. It, it, and then somebody... There was going to backlash or something, from what I heard, and it, now well, they're, well, they're actually, keeping it. Well, the, <laughs> you, were, you were probably on the outside of the wall monitoring the room at the panel that I monitored today about media. Um... It was, it was explained that basically it's kind of like an algorithm and that, and that the current deal was, yes, it was slated to end at, you know, February 1st or something, something like that. Like that yeah. But that's only just because the new deal hadn't been entered in yet. And there was never really a danger that um, oh, that good. Doctor Who was going to leave Netflix. But there were stories every Oh, stories. Oh, I've heard stories. Such Even Nazis panic. had propaganda. Yeah, it was <laughs> such a panic. But I remember seeing that because in uh, Netflix Netherlands, for instance... I've been talking about it on the podcast for yeah, a month now, saying, watch your Doctor Who because it's going away. It's, uh, but Netflix Netherlands just added Series 8 like a month or two ago. Nice. So I, if they're doing that, if they're adding it in one location in, in the world, they're not taking it away from another. So nice. if you look at it, it's funny. You look at it, you know, you do your little search around NetflixAroundTheWorld.com or whatever the website is, and... Pretty much every single Netflix on Earth, all 12 or 20 of them, however they are, has Doctor Who. Oh, yeah. Like, it's just, it's one of the most ubiquitous shows on It would on really there. be nice if they would add more classic series. I mean, technically I have all the classic series on my computer, but... But people like us want the, want the you know, the How new series fans to get into was it. it to flip on the TV and see Doctor Who? It was. It was yeah. great. How great to be just flipping channels and go, Doctor Who, I'm not going to change the channel now. You know, just yeah. it's on. Yeah. For a while there in the late 90s, early 2000s, during the time when I didn't have cable. Right. Sci-Fi was showing classic Who uh-huh. for a while, for a couple of years. And then finally when I did get cable again, it was gone. They weren't showing it anymore. But for a while they were showing all those old episodes. Of course, they were also showing... Uh, MST3K. They kind of continued MST3K for a while. And I missed that. I missed out on that too. Right. But, but uh, yeah, having Doctor Who on TV, it's it's like you have a movie sitting on in a DVD or a Blu-ray in your shelf, and you can watch it at any time you want. Yeah. But the fact that it's on TV means that somebody thought enough that, uh, that thought enough, somebody else thought enough. You about might want to watch it too. You, you might want to watch it too, and, yeah. you do, and you do. The Godfather is a perfect example, or one of those. Something like that, but for me, the Doctor Who, Doctor Who, it really is one of my, it really is just my all-time favorite sci-fi thing, you know. Yeah. yeah. And it is a thing. It's much more, so much more than a TV show. It's a, there's a feeling, there's a heart to it. There's a. It really is. I mean, uh, yeah, we were one of the older podcasts, but I mean, there are literally over a hundred Doctor Who oh, yeah, podcasts yeah, yeah. out there, and there were like, there's a new one called The Web of Queer, which is like made up entirely people of, uh, you know, lesbian, bi, gay. You know, LGBT crowd. LGBT, thank you. Talking about Doctor Who. Talking about from Fantastic. not necessarily, you know, just from that perspective. No, no, no. My wife 
Erica is is one of uh, the six. We're on Verity, an all-female podcast that just talks about not necessarily talk about what women think about Doctor Who. They're just talking about Doctor Who from the, from the only perspective, perspective that they know. Right. You know, so even now, there's a whole legion of, like, different perspectives of Doctor Who podcasts. That's one screen. thing I love about Doctor Who. That's one of the things I love about Galley, too, is watching, excuse me, watching the, the cosplay evolve, yeah. especially over the last four or five years. I was working in an all-girls school for right. uh, all-girls uh, junior high and high school for two and a half years and there was a Doctor Who club and I was one of the sponsors of the Doctor Who club and wow. I was introducing them to the classic Who and stuff and on, on dress up days they would come in their Doctor Who outfits and Halloween and things like that and you know the, the Matt Smith thing brought in this whole wave this giant wave of teenage girl fandom yeah. and it changed Doctor Who fandom comprehensively yes. even now they were all, a lot of them were crushed and have quote unquote given up on Doctor Who because now there's some old crusty guy playing Doctor Who and there, it's not some young hot cute guy anymore fine but that infusion of femininity into the thing is still here yeah. and there's still femme doctors and there's still uh, trans uh, characters and there's still whatever rule rule number it is of, of the opposite <laughs> gender of right. what the character actually is you know, fem, you know, female jacks and male river songs, yeah. and and it's great. It's great, and I think that Doctor Who has become this wonderful. And I think partially because it's British, yep. and British has been Britain has, media has gone through great lengths over the past twenty years to make media in Britain from that comes out of Britain colorblind and uh, gender blind yeah. and uh, LGBT blind of just everyone can be anyone anywhere. I mean, Russell Davis did a beautiful job of seamlessly, just matter-of-factly adding in gay and and, and, and pansexual and yes. all various forms of anything that anybody can be into Doctor Who as if it ain't nothing but a thing. I love that. You're right. I think people really latch on to it. But, um... Earlier today in the restaurant, we were walked by. We were walking out after dinner, and there, sitting at a booth with her mom, was about maybe a six or seven year old, head to toe, Peter Capaldi. Fantastic! Oh, her, the little yes, I saw her new favorite with doctor the he- with the ponytail, with a ponytail, the ponytail, and girl. a spoon. Yes. Oh, it's so taking the spoon out. Spoon. And this I saw that, spoon. and I go, you know I'm what? I'm the doctor. This is my spoon. Yeah, the doctor is never too old for anyone. No, and that was just a brilliant no. thing to see. So we we talked a little bit about did we, we did we talk a little bit about Capaldi earlier. Oh, maybe we might have barely touched on barely it. Barely yeah. touched on it. What, what's your take? I am, I am. <laughs> I hate to, I hate to admit it. I mean, I've watched this over thirty years, and I loved Matt Smith when he came on. And after the fir- at the very end of the first year, when he's talking to Amelia at the bedside at the end of uh, the Big Bang, um, I thought, oh my God, he might be my favorite Doctor. And about. Oh, 50 minutes into deep breath, I'm thinking, oh my god, I think Peter Capaldi is my, my favorite doctor. doctor. I mean, I didn't think anyone could top Tom Baker, and then Peter Davison came along. I love Peter Davison. I was listen. I I watched Legopolis, and without knowing what regeneration was, and I was mortified for a week because, of course, we you know you and I would probably watch them a week omnibus versions. We didn't have to wait nine months. No, no. We no. saw it a week later and Caster Valvo came on. I was like, okay, he's going to change back, Oh, no. Right? When Logopolis happened, I had to wait a year for the oh, next Oh, really? Because it was only a month after it showed in Britain. Oh, I waited one week. All one oh, week. Oh, lovely, lovely. Uh, 
and I was like still mortified. Like the shock of losing Tom Baker the week before was still not out of my system when I watched Castro Valva. And I'd say ten minutes into Castro Valva, Peter Davison was my new favorite doctor, and that's pretty much been my, you know, my philosophy ever since then. So I'm not. I, I'm kind of ashamed to admit that someone so new to the role, so to speak, is my favorite. But then again, it's just kind of par for the course for me. Yeah. All right. All right. Two things on that. One, as I said, in the late 70s, when Tom Baker was still the doctor in Britain, right. and we were just basically on a re- on a year-round repeat cycle of Tom Baker episodes, which is why I know why I know so much about pirate planet and why i know so much about the key to time yeah. and why i know so much about the you know horror fang rocky comes in out of the rain and asks for a glass of water you know and that <laughs> kind of stuff why i know tom baker so intimately and why i have such a close connection with that doctor and he was the doctor for so long but that's all i had for a long time for years several years then along comes that last season of tom baker with the new logo yep. and the new sound yes. the new, the new theme it. song with Loved the guitar it. and yep. it so great and then the new neon logo and the whole thing. And I'm like, the little rainbows. And I'm like, yes, this is so cool. And then, oh, he's going to regenerate me because we read the new, we read the thing. Right. And, oh, Peter Davison from All Creatures Great and Small, which I watched with my mom as a, as a younger kid. That he, oh, great. Okay, well, let's see what happens. And then he comes along. Boom. Everything's new. Everything's brand so new. Fresh. And that, yep. the, 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 the gap between when it came out in Britain and when it came out for us was shortened. And um, so we were getting new stuff all the time. So for me, that was the first real big new Doctor thing, other than when I first started watching in 77. So that. So Peter Davison, for that reason, was that new hot, fresh thing for yep. me. And it was great. And I was devastated when he left. And I, as a as a thirteen year old, I didn't get Colin Baker at all. No, I didn't. I, I appreciate him now and what he was trying to do, and the fact that John Nathan Turner was not a great producer, and he, what he was trying to do with Doctor Who, even though he was working very hard to save the show, and we can credit him for that. His his concept of drama was put people who hate each other together that creates drama rather than putting it in the writing yeah and that's why Tegan and Nissa and Adric and everybody hates Adric that's why that tension kind of permeated the Peter Davison era but um <laughs> and Colin Baker for me didn't work but then the other thing as you were saying last two years ago or last year or two years ago uh, Mark Shepard was here yep and he was walking down the hall surrounded by girls like he is as and somebody man. said hey who's your favorite doctor and he looked around and he saw a kid dressed up as Matt Smith and he goes this guy right here and he said you know why because he's who the doctor is right now all doctors are my favorite doctor and the fact that he's the, the Matt Smith is the doctor right now that makes him my favorite because he's the doctor right now and I was just like my head just because <laughs> I was very resistant to Matt Smith too because right. he I didn't get it and and it, it didn't. It didn't speak to me. It spoke to kind of a younger audience sensibility, I think. Um, but that that moment, my consciousness consciousness about Doctor Who horizons were expanded in that moment. And when uh-huh. just the fact that new episodes of this thing that I have loved and it's been around for fifty years, just by virtue of the fact that there's new episodes of that thing being made right now, is fucking amazing <laughs> and that is the essence of Doctor Who yeah. and that is the essence of why I love it but going back to what you said Capaldi has blown me away yeah. and it's some of Moffat's best writing in a long time it's an amazing bit of 
really hitting the refresh button on his part because yes. it feels series eight felt like no other series. It's my favorite. I can honestly of the say new this. series. No, it's my favorite season ever. Wow. I think twelve episodes. I mean, you look at it. we're looking at twelve episodes. Twelve Doctor, twelve episodes. Twelve episodes Brilliant. in one season. You think, and the oh, Christmas well. episode. Yeah, so I know it's too. amazing. Okay, we'll loop that in. Thirteen episodes. You're looking at. Oh, is it good as, as season 13 or something like that? Well, season 13 had six stories in it. This is like season 13 times two. You know? This is Remind like season, me which season 13 is. This is like Seeds of Doom, uh, Terror of the Zygons. Yes. That. And then you get Oh, Terror of the Zygons. Even if you put season 13 and 14, if you want to get 12 stories yep, in, yep, and get, yep, you get yep. Talons and Deadly Assassin Talons and Wang Chang. I think the overall quality of, of series 8... And what they were doing with the character, and the and the different arcs, and the maturity, and the wonderful performance, and finally giving Sarah, finally Clara. giving uh, 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 Clara something yeah. to do, giving her an arc. Yeah, it was. Rose just, got an arc. Yeah, Donna got an arc. Martha got an arc. Yeah, it was. It was mind blowing. I, I I remember just like just looking forward to every single episode. Listen, just yeah. I, I cried, and it was beautiful, and it was amazing, yeah. and it just and. I like I don't like I don't like children in Doctor Who, uh, because often when, whenever you have children in Doctor Who, what it does basically because you know you know that nothing's going to happen to them, especially in a show like Doctor Who. Kids watch Doctor Who; they don't want to watch thinking they're actually going to die. So whenever you see kids in peril, don't worry, they're going to get out of it. Um, and so everything was setting up to fail when it came to Episode Ten in the Forest of the Night. And I thought, I was hearing rumblings, oh, this thing is terrible. And I think, okay, I'm going to sit down. This is finally, after nine weeks of bona fide, bang on, brilliant Doctor Who, now we're going to have our stumble. And I loved that episode. And I thought, that's it. I don't even care. I don't care how the fi- the two part finale. And everybody be. shits on on uh, on you know, Day of the Moon or, or not Day of the Moon. Kill the Moon. Kill the Moon. I loved it. Loved it. I absolutely loved it. Loved Why it. not have the Moon be a giant egg? Why not? It's fucking Doctor Who. I know. Come on. It's been. It's yeah. The, the season blew my mind. And now I, I have a friend who couldn't watch it because he's arachnophobic. Granted, great. It's but scary. the rest of the episode, the the girl, the sassy girl from the from the school, Courtney Woods. Clarity, yeah, she's amazing, and she's yeah. here this year. I know she's here. And, 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 yeah. And it's just, I've, I've, I think, and and to know Capaldi's past, especially within relation to Doctor Who, right. the fact that he's been a fan since he was it started, right. the fact that there's a letter on file that he wrote to the Radio Times, it was published in the Radio Times, right. the fact that he wanted to try and take over one of the original fan clubs himself, I mean, just that right there, and he's watched every single year and episode and thing as it's come out with his children without his two before he had children all the way through he's a diehard lifelong fan of Doctor Who yeah wow just fucking wow it was I know I remember watching the uh, the live announcement uh, in August of what year 2013 I think it was and I, I didn't have any feeling one way or the other towards who I wanted to be the new Doctor because I think it, whatever I didn't even know who Matt Smith was and he blew me away and then when I heard I think about two or three days beforehand that people were going to it was going to be Peter Capaldi I thought her it has to be him now it has to be him and I remember when they did the, li- and they the live announcement and people knew yep. like, you know at that and, and they had the, they're building up to the whole thing that's got to be Capaldi and then they showed a close up from behind 
of his hand, of his and he was hand. closing his hand. And yep. said, that is an old hand. That's an old hand. Oh my god, it's looks Capaldi. like Capaldi. And then we said the same thing. We're like, like and, we're watching it live, and, and like, oh my god. <laughs> and like that five seconds from seeing his hand to when his name was announced was like the, the most glorious pre-celebration. And then he comes out clutching his lapels like Hartnell, and yeah. we're like, yes, yes. Yeah. And then all those fan videos of the teenage girls going, oh yeah. my god, he's I know. too old. Was, was a delight in yeah. itself, but... Oh yeah, but it it just hammered the point home that I mean, season series five of like Mass Smith series was like I thought oh wow like Time of Angels was one of the most brilliant things I've seen, and I thought that is like oh how can Doctor Who be better than this? It's never been bigger around the world and everything. And then Capaldi comes and there's a massive world tour to announce him, yes. and it's the it's my favorite season of all time. And yeah. like, no. This is the new glory period. We keep hitting new glory periods because what we're doing now is when it came back in 2005, it was run by a bunch of people who fell in love with it back in the 80s yep. and 70s. Yep, yep, yep. And we're fostering that love to a yes. new generation. Yes. And now people who are. What working, a great effort yeah. of heart. It was yeah. an effort of heart. And Julie Gardner and Russell Davis, just this tremendous sense of heart yeah. to it. And real, for the first time, real adult human emotion yeah. where a lot of stuff in the original in the classic series it was a kid show yep. and it was glossed over and fine but the whole stuff with Rose and her being missing for a year yes. and the, what would happen if and then and then uh, uh, later with um, later with a, a school reunion and talk and Sarah talking about how heartbroken she was yeah. and you could see the pain when the doctor dumped her off in not in Croydon. Aberdeen. In Aberdeen. This is Aberdeen, yeah. not Croydon. And then that freeze frame and every time it makes me cry. Yeah. And and hearing that heartbreak of, of go and in, stay with him because yeah. you'll never top this in your whole life. Mm-hmm. Of course, Rose kind of got to yeah. in a way, but still. Yeah. And that, that bit now, which is like early on in the new series run, that now is fostering the people who make the show now. You know, it's it's created it's a new history yes. unto itself that's yeah. built on the history of the past. It's just this ongoing thing. That's why this show will never die. No, it's never. now officially an ongoing it's thing. It's never going to go away if, for as it, long as there will be the BBC and and the and television shows yeah. being made. Doctor Who will be a thing. Doctor Who will be a thing until there actually is a guy with a blue box <laughs> traveling the universe and saving civilizations. Absolutely. So, other than the show, do you do you read any of the novels? No. Do you do any? I don't. Either. I don't. I don't do novels. I don't do audio. I'm not. I'm just time. That and audio drama. I've just never been at. No, at I, odds, I have, you know. I have a, some of a history with <laughs> right. audio drama because um, back in the 1900s, um, when we didn't have. A movie that was out, or a right. TV show that was out. Some of the PBS stations would play some of the radio, BBC radio dramas, right. like Hitchhiker's Guide to the oh, Galaxy, yeah, yeah. like the like the uh, BBC uh, radio uh, Star Wars audio adaptations, oh, wow. Star Wars: Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi, with a large section, not the entire <laughs> section of the movie cast. Right. Um, you had Carrie Fisher, you had your Mark Hamill, you had your. Uh, uh, um, uh, Harrison Ford was he on that? Harrison Ford was not. It was it was um, Harry Joe oh. Perry, not Joe Perry. No, no. Harry Her- somebody. Harry. Harry yes. first name. He auditioned for the for the movie, for the screen role. Didn't yes, he? Yeah. yes, yes, yes. And he was on um, a show 
called Riptide about two. Oh, that is Joe Perry. Then. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and uh, um, it wasn't uh, James Earl Jones as Darth Vader. It was uh, Brock Peters. Oh, as Will Cartwright as from Darth, the uh, yes. Star Trek movies. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and from the original To Kill a Mockingbird, he was right. in that as well. Uh, he played the man on trial for quote unquote assaulting the girl. Right. Um, yeah. So Brock Peters. Um, and so we had some experience with, and I have the whole, all the tapes of the original uh, t- uh, 12 Hitchhikers episodes of uh, right. the radio series that came out before the book, before the TV show, before any of that. So there was that. So we, we did indulge in some of that, and we listened to a lot of, like, Dr. Demento and stuff on the radio when yeah. we were kids, too. Radio was still a thing when we were kids, so, yeah. yeah. Um, but now everything's got every, everything. Everyone has everything everywhere, and especially kids have everything yeah. everywhere. Nobody wants to wait for things, so... Um, but I have listened to some of the uh, audios, and they're fun. They're really fun. Especially it's helped me appreciate Colin Baker more. A lot of because, people say that, yeah. Because the writing is so good now. The, the the sound production and the music and the TARDIS sound, and it's all about that's the same. But having him doing being the Doctor, continuing on what he didn't get to do on TV. Because <laughs> yeah. he wanted to be Chris Eccleston. He t- says that all the time. Uh, yeah. Colin says, I wanted to be Chris Eccleston the dark in the black leather and the dark yeah. outfit. Yeah. And they put me in this thing that looks like somebody threw up on me. And even Perry says, <laughs> yeah. in that first episode, you can't go out like that. Yeah. Why not? Yes. You know, so, um, yeah. So, that's helped me appreciate some Colin Baker a little bit right. more. And he's a delightful man, a delightful yeah. human being. It's, it's like, I heard... Uh, I feel horrible for saying this. I heard Burn Gorman was going to be here this year. I'm like, oh, him lit. He always plays such a horrible, oh, evil he character. Is that ass. Yeah. Well, not him in person, but, but like, yeah, on his Game Torchwood, of Thrones, his I, Game of Thrones yes. role, even. And I just, hated his character in Torchwood because right. you're supposed to. Yeah. And I, I just, and why those women were so attracted to him. Yeah. Why Evie Miles' character stuff? Why Tops or? Uh, to, um, oh, but uh, the, uh, I talk with my wife and go, oh, Burn Gorman, and uh, there's something with his cheekbones. Yeah, 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 I guess. This, I guess. This is what does it for him, I guess. I guess. But I watched him in there doing photos with fans, and he's so he's laughing, and, hey, how are you? Right, yeah. and, nice guy. He's superb. But superbly brilliant at yeah. playing pricks. <laughs> but just a wonderful, I interviewed him in Chicago in oh, yeah. 2012, I think it was, on stage. I think it was his first ever stage interview at a convention nice. and it was nice. my t- first time interviewing him and I was just like we had he was just like he was wearing this smart little suit and drinking a cup of tea and he had these horn rim glasses on I was like this is not Owen Harper at all <laughs> no he is an actor no yes. a consummate professional yes yes, yes. playing yes. jerks on TV playing jerks on TV but it's being, like Dabney Coleman yeah he might have actually been a jerk in real life yeah, but I don't know, I know. <laughs> yeah. but yeah yeah so it's it's really interesting um uh, yeah, this is this has been. A, I mean, I'm, I'm, we're only one day in the galley at this I know. point, and there's still two more days to go. And I just feel I, I'm already tired, and I'm already like, oh boy. But I, I'm just loving every minute of it. Even though I'm just standing in front of a room saying five minutes, I'm right. still in the middle of. You're part everything. of it. I know. I'm breathing yeah. it in. It's good. It's yeah. good. Yeah, I am. A, we, I end up doing some interviews uh, in the evening. I'm. I drink something which I have delayed some quite a lot tonight. I have to admit there was a lot of imbibing I, last night. I, I, yeah. There wasn't for me. I, so I'm, I'm. If you don't mind, I wouldn't mind getting to that soon. Oh sure, um, no, not at all, not but, at all. We're almost at an hour. So uh, uh, has it really been an hour? Yeah, well, it's fifty-three minutes. So we're almost at an hour. So, so plug your stuff. Tell us where people can find you online. Tell us where the podcast is. Tell us all about it. This is uh, well, I'm in, uh, 
RadioFreeScarrow.com. Radio Free Scarrow is the name of the podcast. Um, we're the official podcast of Gallifrey One. We have that title apparently. Oh, nice. Yeah, nice. That's I didn't a know thing. that. That's I didn't a thing. Know that. um, I have to confess, I'm new to your podcast. But that's I, right. I'm, I'm, I'm glad new to yours. We got this we, opportunity. <laughs> yes, and yes, yes. So we are dog sniffing each other's bums. At this point. Fantastic. Woof. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> at Radio Free Scarrow on Twitter, and I'm also Legopolis on Twitter as well. Cool. Because um, cool. I like Lego and Doctor Who, so great, uh, I great. figure it's both of a, a combination of the two. So cool. Um, do you do you, uh, do you have a day job that you do that's not related? It's far to this? less you... interesting than what I'm of doing course, right of now. Course. Yeah, we all. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, work for, I work with a bunch of programmers. So, right. So um, I'm bringing up my little uh, uh, outro thing here. If I can bring it up, oh boy. Um, so, uh, but do you, are you in, into any other fandoms besides Doctor Who? No, I. I mean, I don't listen to the audios, I don't read the books, because I like having that ever-so-slight detachment from Doctor Who that, you know, I look forward to talking about it every single week. And I also like I like watching Game of Thrones and not podcasting about it. I like just sort of like... <laughs> you can just enjoy it as it is. And listen to another podcast and say, oh, that's interesting, and then cool. be done with it. And then, you know, this, so that's... So no, I, I kind of dip in and out of, of certain fans. All right, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, me too. I, I but I don't. Pod, I mean, I kind of podcast about everything. but yeah. Doctor Who is where my real passion is. I mean, I like yeah. Star. I love Star Wars. I love. I love. Uh, I'm looking forward to Episode Seven. Me I, too. You know, I yeah. Love, it looks really fun. Looks really good so far. So happy, and I've said this before, but I'll say it again. So happy to see the trailer and to hear the news that the two main characters are a woman and a black man. Yes. Fantastic! Yeah. Wow, they've got actually some diversity in the Star Wars universe now. And there's Harrison Ford and Millennium Falcon back too. So really, let's face Fantastic. it. Fantastic. That's what I'm all about. We're all good. Yeah. We're all good. Cool. Um, so, well, this has been a pleasure. I hope uh, I hope some of your listeners will give us a, give us a shot and, and listen and see if they like us. Definitely. And uh, like I'm definitely going to be going and, and going back and listening to your stuff too. And it was really a pleasure to talk to you. So, and a pleasure to talk to you. Great, Thank you very great. Much. Thanks very much from Gallifrey uh, 2015 at LobbyCon on Friday night. Uh, uh, this is Michael. Uh, I'm uh, Saint Michael at Saint Michael on Twitter. That's S A Y N T M Y K L. Uh, you can find us online as Something2XP. Please subscribe and review us on iTunes. Follow us on Twitter. Like us on Facebook and Google+. Check out our blog. Listen to past episodes on WordPress. Email us, please, at Something2XP at gmail.com. Hopefully we get some nice Canadian and other international yeah. listeners out of this. Uh, and please remember, please be kind. The Something Something Experience podcast was conceived and produced by Michael John Simpson. Intro music, Ways to Change Faces, and outro music, Scorpio 37, was written, produced, and provided by the talented Sebastian Cesari. You can find us everywhere online as Something2XP. Please subscribe and review us on iTunes, WordPress, and YouTube. Please follow us on Twitter and like us on Facebook and Google+. Email us at something2xp at gmail.com. We invite your feedback. Please be kind. <laughs>